talk with people about what might be your gaps. What are some of the things that are missing? Try to figure out how do I get these experiences or what do I need to do and when do I need to do it by when to be able to apply? And are there other paths to doing some of the things that you really enjoy? There are some of those procedures. What are the kinds of similar experiences uh, in other specialties? Is there additional training one can get by going through a different path? You know, those are all different examples of how one can maybe still get to do some of the things one wants to do, but um, taking different paths. That's Dr. Kathleen Kashima, who served several roles at the University of Illinois College of Medicine, including Senior Associate Dean of Students, Clinical Assistant Professor for Psychiatry and Medical Education, and Clinical Psychologist. In today's episode of Making the Rounds, Dr. Kashima will share her advice on how to choose your specialty as you think about the next step in your career, residency. Here's AMA Senior News Writer, Brendan Murphy. Hello, and welcome to the Meet Your Match series on Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. I'm Brendan Murphy, Senior News Writer at the AMA. I have with me today Kathleen Kashima, PhD, who is Senior Associate Dean for Students and a Clinical Assistant Professor for Psychiatry at the University of Illinois College of Medicine. She's also a practicing psychologist and immediate past chair of the AAMC Group on Student Affairs. How are you today, Dr. Kashima? I'm fine, Brenda. Thank you so much for having me. We're very excited to have you. Today, Dr. Kashima will provide guidance for a very important step in medical students' career paths, how to choose a specialty. So I think a good place to start is to talk about your background working in residency selection with students. Can you tell us a little about that? Sure, Brandon. Thank you. And and hello, listeners. A special thanks to the AMA for this podcast and the Road to Residency series. Um, So let's see. I've been in uh, medical student affairs for over 25 years. And I've been working in a medical, as a medical student affairs uh, dean, a career I truly enjoy uh, for that long time at a multi-campus medical school and have been honored to serve in national leadership roles with colleagues. Uh, this topic is a high priority for our discussion. So I'm really familiar with the various challenges students face given its complexity and the variety of influencing factors uh, that individuals have involved in these decisions. Um, I also just want to share, as you said, uh, I'm a, as a clinical psychologist, I'm going to advocate for the importance importance to the listeners of building a trusted support team, what I call a road to residency team or R2R team uh, during this process. Uh, Now, probably more than ever with all the changes going on, there's much uncertainty and and maybe some anxiety. So I just really want to reassure all of you that there are many people in leadership roles and organizations such as the AMA, the Association of American Medical Colleges, AAMC, um, Specialty Society, and most importantly, people at your medical school who are communicating, collaborating, innovating, and investing resources to improve the transition to residency for a community of stakeholders, including you. And and want to say also, actually, some anxiety gives us energy to take action. That is helpful advice. And we are at a point where there might be a bit of anxiety associated with both specialty choice and the whole match process as students are both finalizing that choice and getting ready to submit their applications and their letters of recommendations. Can you talk about where they should be in that specialty decision 
at this point in their trajectory? Sure. You know, uh, medical school is, is a long journey. And what I would say that each person also, you know, has its own, has their own journey. So really, um, the best thing to do is really, as I mentioned, have your uh, conversations with your medical school advisors, have this um, building this R2R team and talking about your own situation and figuring out where you might be in that in terms of the process to uh, deciding, especially in a residency. If you're early on in your medical school, school, school career, we want you to be open to options. And if you're further along, we're, we're hoping through your experiences that you're going to gain a better sense of a specialty choice and residency application. You mentioned that R2R team, that road to residency team, you are part of it for many students. I'm going to throw a hypothetical at you. If I am a student and I am narrowing my options down to a few specialties a year away from matching or 10 months away from matching, what are the key considerations I should put into that decision? Yeah. So Brandon, that, that's a great question. And I would say to listeners, if you're at that point, it's great progress if you're down to narrowing your options. Um, because there are over 160 medical specialties and subspecialties. So uh, that would be great work. First, um, before I answer your question, I just really wanna recommend a webinar that uh, will be helpful to listeners if they haven't already seen it yet um, before. And it's the um, AMA AAMC sponsored co-hosted webinar, T2R, Tools for a Successful Residency Application for 2024 Applicants. Uh, if you don't have a AAMC account login, you'll need to make one to access that. But this webinar um, was information-packed overview of residency selection process programs and tools, as well as the importance of evaluating resources you might use. So um, that, and included in that discussion, was um, the AMA offering um, a long list of webinars, podcasts, and articles, in addition to FRIDA, the comprehensive database of residency and fellowship programs. So I really um, strongly advise listeners check that out. Now, to answer your question, um, there's a few considerations in narrowing down options. Um, they are, uh, I'm going to list them first, decision-making process, your fit with specialty, and your ability to match. So I have some questions for listeners to consider for each of those. So first, decision-making process. You know, as I mentioned, um, what decision-making strategies have you used in the past that you found helpful? And one of the things we talked about was building a, uh, the R2R team, but um, that's something to really consider um, is what things you found helpful when you've made major decisions. Second, what's your fit with a specialty? Um, some questions to consider include what specialties fit your personality, interests, talents, and skills, life and career? What are the positive aspects of that out specialty and what are the emotions and feelings you have about that specialty and what concerns do you have about the specialty um, try to brainstorm ideas and generate some thoughts about those concerns and maybe um, do a fit test you know um, I've had students draft bullet points and figure out why this specialty and articulate how the specialty fits with your career goals and then finally what's your ability to match how confident are you in your ability to succeed in this specialty? How competitive are you? Are you being realistic? So those are some questions to consider. That's all valuable insight. And there are so many resources at the AMA, including the Meet Your Match podcast, which we're very happy to have you on, Dr. Kashima. If you look in the bio of this podcast, you'll see a link to the 
AAMC AMA webinar Dr. Kashima mentioned. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Talking about this specific specialty decision, it is a journey from M1 to M4. How do you see students' specialty preferences shift during medical school? What are some of the reasons for those shifts? It's so interesting because I think there are many students who think, oh my gosh, when I go to medical school, I've got to know from the get-go what specialty I'm going to go into. And actually, um, most students don't know. Only maybe around a quarter of the students do kind of know from the beginning. And the rest of the students change their mind. So um, what are some of the different things that, um, why students change your mind? Well, first thing you're going to hear, and you probably already heard, those of you who are more advanced in your medical school, that your faculty are going to say to you, in the beginning, keep your minds open because um, you haven't experienced a lot of uh, medical school yet. And soon when you get into your latter years, when you do clinical experience, you're going to be having direct experience yourself in settings with patients and engaging with those who work in those specialties. So um, that's a great time to figure out what might be some different things that uh, appeal to you about a specialty. And um, you know, I think the, the one of the major factors for students too is is talking with people in those specialties. So the practitioners and hearing about what they like about or love about their specialties and what kind of things they thought they didn't know about. And maybe on second thought, maybe I was you might be interested in other specialties. Um, there's also a changes or advances in a specialty with time. I mean, some of the people you, you speak with um, may have started in a specialty, you know, years ago, and there's been some advances, like, um, for example, in some of the specialties like uh, I, internal medicine, family medicine, peds, there's a, a new kind of physician called a nocturnist for those people who like to work at night. So, I mean, these are some of the changes that can happen when this specialty. And um, AMA also um, has shared information about hiring practices. You know, I know uh, many of our listeners take a look at, you know, what are the specialties that are hiring more, more physicians, what are not, and keeping abreast of those things. So those are all different factors that can change specialty. And finally, changes that happen for you during medical school, right? Uh, you have personal changes. You could have relationships change, family issues. Um, these might impact your geographic interests and finding what might be the optimal balance in your work life career and specialties have different demands on your time. So those are all different factors why students can change their minds. And of course there are the actual experiences you have during your rotations and students are in the midst of sub eyes and away rotations how do those rotations help students finalize a specialty choice yeah. or potentially rule one out? Right. Well, it's, it's really, I think, so important. And I'm thankful that part of the medical education experience is to have those opportunities for sub-eyes and, and away rotation. So um, sub-eyes really uh, help you to become an integral 
have an experience to be an integral member of a treatment team um, with primary responsibility for patient care. And that's really helpful for a student to figure out as a specialty really what's for me, what's for me, because some experiences or exposures are really just literally watching. And so these sub-internships really help. Um, also, array rotations give students and uh, you an opportunity to have different clinical experiences in different settings, as well as um, like community-based or academic-based. If you're at, a, at an institution that doesn't have those opportunities and you get to work with new colleagues at institutions, um, some students find that these away rotations are also a great opportunity to figure out, do I want to not only apply to this specialty, but do I want to apply to this institution? A big part of this process and a big talking point among people in advisory capacities like yourself is this concept of realistic applying. It's a reality yeah. that not all specialties are equally competitive. How right. do you gauge your competitiveness as a student? Yeah, you're correct, Brandon. You know, the reality is that um, the number of applicants is increasing, right, to residency programs. And at the same time, um, the growth in the number of residency positions isn't necessarily aligning with graduating student interests. So that makes it a real challenge in terms of trying to figure out, you know, how competitive I am. And, and so I think, you know, one of the key things I say to all of you is, is to really review your qualifications with respect to existing data. And as I mentioned earlier, check out that webinar because that talks about a number of these resources. Um, but also importantly is to really be realistic and honest with yourself about um, what that, what those qualifications are. And when you're talking with um, a key component of this is well-informed specialty guidance. So that means people who are currently um, knowledgeable about residency applications and uh, GME programs now, and are up to date on all that information to help to help you to figure out how competitive you are. Um, and, and also, like I mentioned before, it's also talking with your homeschool advisor and deans because they know your progress, your experience in medical school, and they know school data from students um, at the institution who have matched in that specialty. And again, as I repeated before, um, really talk to your R2R team about this too. Um, but the main thing is to really be realistic and open and honest with yourself about what is, how competitive you are with um, different specialties. If I'm a middle of the road average medical student, which is a very brilliant student, and I may have aspirations for something like dermatology, which is consistently one of the top five most competitive specialties, this is a situation where my qualifications may not align with my aspirations. What do you tell students in that situation? Yeah, so you know, I um, some of the same things um, we I talked about earlier, just a second ago, but also start to look at and talk with people about what might be your gaps. Yeah, what are some of the things that are missing? Try to figure out when would I need to? How do I get these experiences, or what do I need to do, and when do I need to do it? by when to be able to apply. And are there other paths to doing some of the things that you really enjoy, like you said, like, let's say about dermatology, which is really competitive. You know, there are some of those procedures, what other, what are the kinds of um, 
similar experiences uh, in other specialties? Uh, is there additional training one can get by going through a different path? You know, those are all different examples of how one can maybe still get to do some of the things um, one wants to do, but um, taking different paths. I think like another common um, uh, interest is sports medicine. And um, I think some people might think, oh, my only way to kind of working in, in that field is maybe going into ortho, which is also another very competitive specialty. But there's other ways to get to a sports medicine fellowship. One can you know, be a family medicine physician, one can be an internal medicine. You know, I think there's other ways to get to that goal. And that's why talking with people in the field, doing what I call also informational interviews with individuals who are doing something like you think that's what I want to do, can help you to figure out ways to address those gaps and then figure out, you know, how much time it's going to take and do I want to spend the time to do that or do I want to think about another specialty? That is really such a valuable point that the path to being the type of physician you aspire to be is so far from linear. Yeah. One option for students who are torn on two specialties, I suppose even more than two is possible, is dual applying. That, that's the process of applying for residency positions in multiple specialties. It's not uncommon, but most students don't do it. Can you talk about the pros and cons of dual applying in your view? Sure, sure. Uh, well, dual applying, just to say first off, you know, I think one thing you you all need to realize is that it's applying to two different things. So you've got to get two different sets of everything, right? And so I think just being, if your one is going to do that, then you've got to be able to recognize to, you've got to be able to manage all that. So that's, um, that could be, you know, a pro or a con depending on how one looks at it. Um, but the pros are um, that it keeps your options open, right? I think at, at a time, if you apply your first time to application by doing this, you have the gamut of programs to apply to. You have the, you know, the the time, a little more time to think about what letters do I need to get working with your uh, R2R team to figure out the different components of what needs to go into that application. Um, and you have the opportunity to think about geography because you're applying to all the different kinds of positions. But like I said, it does, uh, take more time. Um, the, the con is that you've got a, a, already a tight timeline. Students who apply to just one specialty already feel like there's so much to do. And at the same time, when you're still in medical school, you've got to keep up with all your electives, your sub-eyes, et cetera. So um, that's, that's, that's a challenge. Um, programs may also realize that you are dual applying. I mean, and they might make, you know, the interpretation of that, that you're interested in more than one of these specialties than the other. And if that's the case, that might, might be a problem. Um, sometimes it, you may also have to apply to a third specialty because if the one of them is an advanced specialty, you need prelim programs, that would be even more you need to do. Um, but overall, by applying to two, you know, some of the benefits are that um, generally people say that it is better to go in your first time uh, and do this um, in, a, in a broad way, um, but also that um, if you don't, if you increase your chances of matching, it is better than having to go through the supplemental offer acceptance program, SOAPing, when you have only what is left in the positions and you don't have as many 
options. And at that point, you might even have to switch to another specialty that you hadn't considered before. Is a con that you might set yourself up for disappointment when you favor one specialty over the other, which is human nature? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that, that, is, that is a con because then if you've only applied to the one and then you don't match, you're going to need to figure out what am I going to do differently to go in the match again next year? Or am I going to need to think of another specialty and then do per, uh, dual applying or parallel applying the next year to make sure you get a match? And we talked earlier about anxiety associated with this process. Just to alleviate anxiety, it is worth pointing out that most allopathic and osteopathic medical students do match on their first run through the process. Right. Always like to point that out. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, it's a very good point for our listeners. Uh (laughs) So what are some instances in which you've seen students dual apply effectively? Well, it's some of of those uh, competitive specials you're talking about, like, you know, ortho. Some students have applied to uh, anesthesiology, radiology, interventional, you know, different, or oh, that interventional radiology, those were also competitive too, though. Um, so you have to think about what are the, the dual options. Like we've seen uh, some of the surgical spell subspecialties and general surgery, or um, some students have done prelim surgery, um, which is, you know, a first-year position. Uh, some, with the dermatology, it's doing some, you know, primary care to look at you know, different ways that you can go into and get more experiences. So um, that those are some of the different ways. And best thing to talk about, again, is people currently in the specialty who can best advise you directions and because there may be changes in new fellowships and different opportunities uh, to get into doing some of the things you really w- enjoy doing. When students are truly torn on two specialties and they're approaching this fourth year window where they have to at least narrow their options. We've talked about the option of dual applying. One thing that is becoming an option to delay the decision and to get more information and to fill out your resume and become a more well-rounded physician to pursue another advanced degree like an MPH or to take a research year. Would you recommend that path for students? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a great question because of that question gets asked, you know, quite a bit is what I first just want to say is just being torn about especially decision in itself is not a reason just to say, okay, I'm just going to take another year and do something. Really, I I say to students, um, think about this in a way, it's like, how would you explain this? What would be your rationale to explain this um, and why it would help your career? Because this is probably something that would be incorporated into your personal statement and it's definitely going to be in your application. So thinking about that, the purpose and your rationale and how it makes sense in terms of pursuing this specialty is really kind of a key way to think about it because um, that helps you when you're explaining it to other people too. And it helps you to feel convinced Yes, this is the right thing to do. And it is often some often when one does that and has a good rationale, it is a great experience because you expand again more reasons why this specialty is a good match for you, more reasons why um, um, I've gotten more exposure to different kinds of skill sets that you can talk about in your application and, and, and in your interview. We've gone in pretty good depth on the specialty choice decisions. What aspects of this haven't we covered that you'd like to mention to our student listeners? Yeah. 
Um, well, just to say, you know, the, Brendan, you mentioned earlier about the kind of the anxiety and, and you know, you and I have talked about also the time it takes and, and really that this is all happening when you're all still in medical school, right? So uh, don't forget, this is really an exciting time in your career. I mean, think about it. You've applied and gotten into medical school, like so many people who haven't, and remembering you're going to be a physician, remember the positives about that, and you know to really believe in yourself at this point, and that in your training, and that your medical school is a partner in this in your education, and work with your um, R2R team, and don't, this is, you know, this is, is a major phase in your career. And so try, try to do this with the support of people and not in isolation. Uh, remember that, you know, you've worked really hard in medical school, you've been preparing for this for years. And really, as a clinical psychologist, I say, you know, when you to perform your best, and this is really getting closer, not to the total end of the finish line, because your, your career is, is, a, is a, a long path, but really uh, closing off a phase and you want to be at your best when you're doing this process of making selection for specialty and applying. So it's important to be resilient, be open and honest with yourself, be flexible and making adjustments because as we've said, your life is changing, you're learning more, um, you're changing. Um, and most importantly, I think is through all this process is you really benefit from being a valued team member. Why I say that is that you're gonna be asked um, questions, um, you know, you're going to be asked questions from students who are um, behind following you, you're going to be asked to participate in surveys and resources. And this is the kind of information that helps others behind you too, and helps you to affirm uh, the importance of being uh, becoming a physician. So um, those are kind of the, the things that I think that are um, really important things to, to remember. And as I said earlier too, and this time when so much is going on, um, it's an exciting time to be in medical, in medicine and medical education, and that many people are, are working to try to make improvements in the field and that we are thankful that you are the future in healthcare and that we want as many of you as possible to choose your specialty and residency program that's a good fit for you. So I, I really, uh, can't emphasize that more that it's you are future and it's so important to us that you have a good fit for your career. Inspiring and informative <laughs> words as I think you've offered for this whole podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Kashima. Yes, and, and thank you for having me and again. Um, Brendan, wonderful talking with you and best wishes to all of you uh, in your careers. This has been the Meet Your Match series on Making the Rounds. I'm AMA senior news writer, Brendan Murphy. Thanks for listening. Don't miss an episode of this special series. Subscribe to Making the Rounds on your favorite podcast platform or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.